Okay, so um, that was good exercise for me uh, this morning. I always like leading worship because... Um, and I'm yet to find out what effect it has on my newest purchase. Uh, this week, uh, I bought myself uh, a Fitbit um, Flex um, so I could kind of track my fitness. Most of you know I had an injury a couple of years ago. I put my knee out and it stopped me from doing any kind of sport or anything like that. Some of you have had the unfortunate experience of uh, being around me when... Um, my knee has flopped out. Uh, Luke's had the experience of standing directly in line behind me as my knee kind of concertinaed in and out and then went back in. It's quite painful, but I've been doing some physio stuff and uh, trying to strengthen it up and I've got to the point where now I can do some swimming again and that kind of thing. So uh, I decided I was going to get myself a Fitbit Flex. Uh, I was in possession of quite a few fat bits, so I decided I needed to get a Fitbit. Um, but um, the Fitbit on its own uh, doesn't work. It's no good without the exercise that it tracks. Um, Joe Tilly. Joe Tilly's like a beast on, uh, on her Fitbit. I can't keep up with her. Uh, tracks too many steps. And I'm just really glad that... Uh, have you got one, Sue? No, it's a good job Sue hasn't got one. Otherwise, like, no one would stand a chance of getting anywhere near. Right? But... I decided that I needed uh, to join the gym, get a place where I could go, I could swim, do some strengthening exercises and try and uh, get um, fit again, try and strengthen my body, try and get myself into a place where I can be how I need to be, how I want to be. Um, so uh, there's this phrase going around, and I think Ruth actually put something on Instagram with this yesterday, which was about um, if you want to see something new, you need to do something new. Was that right, Ruth? Is that what you put on? Okay. So if you want to see something new, you need to do something new. I decided that I wanted to see my body back in a place where I could go and join in with sports and stuff again, hopefully. Um, I did tell the physio uh, a few months ago that I wanted to get back to playing squash, and her response was to just laugh. She said nothing else other than laugh at me. You are not playing squash. That was what the laugh said. Okay, right. But I need to do something new if I want to see something new. So I've decided to join the gym. It's no good just joining the gym. I have to actually go to the gym. I have been to the gym twice this week already. I only joined on Tuesday. Um, I had a conversation with Sean about the gym uh, and all this kind of stuff. And I've got into that. And I want to see something new, so I'm going to do something new. And I think that's something that really we can get into as we get to this time of reboot and we're sharing our vision and we're kind of checking ourselves as a church and saying, where have we come from over the last year? Where does God want to take us in the next year? Okay, we need to do something new if we want to see something new. Okay, Simon Woodward uh, from Zion, he challenged us a couple of weeks ago when he spoke to us. He said that um, God wanted to partner with us and in doing that, we would see more than we can ask or imagine. Okay, and he took that from Ephesians 3, verse 20, and we should have that up on the screen. It says this. No? Yes? I think we have got it. Um, I saw Melody put it in. Right, it says this, Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Okay? Have we got those, Rich? They should be in the service thing down there. They were all dragged in. There we go. 
Excellent. Right, so that was the little bit it takes from, and we look at that a lot. We say now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Okay, that's amazing. I said uh, last week, I can imagine a lot, okay? I can ask a lot. So the fact that God is able to do more than I can ask or imagine, that blows my mind. Then I looked a little bit in, in context of, of what Paul was saying in Ephesians. So if we go on to the, the next bit, Rich, we're taking the whole passage from Ephesians 3, uh, from verse 2 to 21, if you've got your Bibles or you've got a, a Bible app on your phone or your, your tablet, you can check this out, Ephesians 3, 2, 21. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus and he says this, Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, okay, so that's anybody who wasn't a Jew, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and share us together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant to this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, Rich, I'm giving you prior warning. In the briefcase, there should be a clip from this video clip from this morning uh, for you to play. But... That might not be there. If it's not, just nod at me. Right, okay, so it's incredible that basically Paul's saying there's this mission that he's been given to tell people about the grace of God. It's been revealed. He, he knows about this story, about the fact that we can all be heirs to the kingdom. Okay, it's not just a thing that's just confined to the Jews anymore. And he wants to get it out and he wants to tell people. And God's mission is for him to get it out to the church. And the church's mission is to get it out to everybody. So everybody knows about the grace that they can find in Jesus. Okay, and then in the process of praying at the end of that, he's just saying, now, 
you know, asking God to bless us, the God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit dwells in us when we come to faith in Jesus. Now, the video clip I'm going to show you in a minute, if it's there, is from a series called Arrow. Is it there, Rich? It's all right. Luke's going to tell him where the briefcase is. Okay. Um, I don't know if you, uh, anybody seen uh, the DC uh, comic series adaptation that's on Sky uh, at the moment called Arrow. Anybody watched Arrow? Okay. Okay. Yeah. You don't have to be ashamed. There's a couple of people who just went... I've watched it. Don't worry, I'll watch Arrow, uh, Legends, the whole lot, Supergirl with the kids, Flash, The Flash is Ruth's favourite. Okay, they all link together and occasionally have crazy episodes where they all work together. Luke, do we have the clip? Oh dear. All right, this could be an issue. Anyway, don't worry. I'll describe what happens. Um, okay, the main character in Arrow is this guy called Oliver Queen. Okay, and Oliver Queen has been through these terrible experiences. He's been away on this, uh, he was shipwrecked, ended up on this island called Lian Yu, and he went through all these trials and tribulations, and it kind of like changed him, turned him into a very kind of dark person, and then he had a kind of journey, he had to come back from that. But his whole mission uh, when he comes back to his home is to save his city. Okay? Uh, and in this introduction clip, which we would have seen, he gives this wonderful monologue, very dramatic. Uh, and he says something uh, at the end of the clip along the lines of, uh, in order to do what I needed to do, I needed to be someone else. I needed to be something else. Do you know what? Sometimes as a church, as people, when we're following Jesus, we need to realize that we need to be something else. We need to be someone else. Now you might be looking at me and you might be saying, but John, you you tell us that God loves us for who we are. God loves me for who I am. God loves you for who you are. But actually, sometimes we need to change to get back to who it is that God created us to be because we've changed who we are to try and fit in with what the world does. I'm assuming we don't have it. We nearly have it. How nearly is nearly? Eight seconds. In eight seconds' time, approximately five now, we may watch the clip, which is very dramatic, which I've already told you about, which is about there now. No. Yes. Excellent. Have we got the clip? We might have the clip. Do we have the clip? Oh, it's going there. Okay. Well, I've just told you exactly what it said, but hey. (laughs) 
So, there you go. I've told you all about the clip. But there you go. Um, that would have introduced perfectly what I was saying, but now it goes on the end and feels slightly out of place. But anyway, we need to sometimes go back to what God created us to be. We need to go back to the heart of who we are in order to see God's purpose uh, revealed through us, through the church. His grace given out to the nations, to the people around us, to our community. If we want to see something else, sometimes we need to be something else. We need to be who we were created to be. Now, one other great thing that uh, my Fitbit does, apart from track my steps and tell me that I'm not as uh, active as Joe Antilly, um, tells me uh, how I have slept or how I have not slept. Um, those of you who know me well will know that sleep is not something that is a friend of mine. Um, I often have trouble sleeping. Um, I often go to bed. I sleep for a long time, I think. I'm in bed for a long time, but then I wake up and I'm absolutely worn out at the point of waking up. I never, I don't know, some of you may do that thing where you wake up in the morning and you feel refreshed and you spring out of bed and you think, oh, that was a lovely sleep I just had. I get out of bed and go, Oh, how many hours till I can come back? Right, and, and I've looked, and my Fitbit now tracks my sleep, okay? I keep this on at night, and it tells me how often I am restless and how often I'm awake. Now, if you know how sleep works, we have these sleep cycles where you go into kind of real deep sleep, which is where you get your rest, uh, and then there's kind of like disturbed sleep and stuff where we don't really rest that much, and it takes a while to get back into deep sleep in between uh, restless sleep. Well, if you saw a graph, which you can see later on my phone if you want of my sleep, um, it has these little purple lines, okay, which tell me when I've been restless or awake, okay? They go like a fence across my graph, all right? I am virtually always restless uh, or awake during the night, so I need to try and figure out how to stop that, but at least now I know it happens, right? But... One of the things that happens when we're in this kind of like lower level of sleep is that we dream, okay? So I must dream a lot. I must be dreaming about weird things all the time. And sometimes I remember my weird dreams. Sometimes they're really weird. Uh, sometimes they're just really boring, okay? But I dream. We can dream when we're asleep, okay? But also there's this sense that uh, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should be dreaming, about the things of the kingdom, the things that he wants to do. The only place sometimes that we can dream is when we stop and we rest and we kind of quiet. Do you know what? There's always a tension between doing and dreaming. Sometimes, I'll be quite honest with you, I come back uh, from work, come back from the office over there, uh, and I've spent the whole day in there, uh, and me and Ruth are chatting about our days, and she says, um, so what have you done today? And sometimes I honestly can't give her a really good list of what we've been doing. And then I start to feel guilty about it, and then I think, well, what have I done? What have I actually achieved? What have I done today? And I'm trying to Going through, I'm thinking, what, what did what did me and Libby do? What did me and Luke do on that time? What did we, what did we get through? Do you know what? Sometimes part of my job is is to dream. Part of my job is to come up with new ideas and how we're going to get to this place that God is calling us to get to. But we can feel guilty when we're not doing, and we're actually taking time to dream. We need as a people to take time 
to dream, if we're always doing, if we're always awake and going full on, uh, trying to accomplish something, we can't stop to dream. So I really think that as a church, we need to take some time to dream. That's part of what Reboot Week is. It's about taking some time, pausing and saying, what's going on? Where are we? Let's collect our thoughts. Let's have a think about where God wants us to be next. So sometimes we need this stillness. So do you know what? We've got a Bible verse, Acts 2, uh, 17. Okay? It says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Everybody, everybody is invited. Everybody says he's going to have visions and dreams about what God wants us to do. Sometimes, do you know what, we just need to take that moment of stillness to just take hold of that dream, to give ourselves space, to have that vision of what God's trying to show us. Do you know what? We could even do it now. Just for a minute. I want to just challenge you just to close your eyes for a minute. Okay? All right. If anybody drops off, don't worry. It's all right. You can listen to it again on the podcast. They're all up and running properly on the church app now. Um, But I want you to close your eyes. Just for a minute. Just take a deep breath. You know when you kind of have to do that thing like when you just relax. Take a deep breath. I just want you while you're doing that just in the quiet, ask God, God, what's, what's your dream that you want to give me? What's the vision you want to give me? Maybe ask that question, God, God, how does it look for me to be a part of your plan? And just take a moment in the quiet, just to imagine, is there something we need to be different Is there something we need to do differently? Isn't it great sometimes to have a bit of stillness? Just a bit of quiet. Doesn't happen a lot in our lives, does it? Okay, I want you to hold on to it. If God's shown you something today, hold on to it. Okay, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody you're on this journey with. And, and you know, maybe share it with me. Share it with people who are in leadership in the church. If there's something you think God's calling you to do in the church, let's do it. So we need to learn to dream. We need to learn to take regular still moments. That's awesome. Do you know what? We get to a place where we, we've been given a dream. We've been given a vision. Okay, we look at this place where God's, uh, God's shown us. Okay, he's shown us something and we want to get to it. We can often then be really, really guilty of trying to make that happen ourselves. Okay. Who's, who's 
who's ever had a plan and then like almost like kind of like killed themselves trying to make it happen in their own way? I know I have, okay? I've done that, all right? We don't need to try to make these things happen. Okay, that is Jesus' job. Okay, if he calls us to something, he's going to provide a way to do it. Okay, we don't need to kill ourselves in our own power to do it. It's our weakness that gives him strength. We just need to be available to get on and do it. The best analogy that I've ever heard of this, uh, and it gets banded around all the time. The last time I heard it spoken was a guy called Pete Gregg. He's part of 24-7 prayer. And he was talking about how they started the 24-7 prayer movement, which is in over half of the countries on the planet. Um, it's an incredible, incredible prayer movement. Yeah. And he said, we have to make sure that we surf the waves of God's Holy Spirit rather than trying to create them. Okay? They have to surf the waves of God's Holy Spirit rather than trying to create them. Okay? If you were to go surfing right, and you try to make the waves yourself to surf, it is not going to work. Okay, You have to recognize when the right wave is coming and then you have to get on your board uh, and go with it. Okay, You can imagine and dream what you're going to do with that wave and how you're going to surf it, but you can't make the wave. As... The church, when we decide to surf these waves that God's sending our way and we're going towards this vision and this dream that he's given us, we need to make sure that we're doing it in the way that God created us to do it. Okay? We want to be a church, a community that is full of innovators and not imitators. Okay, turn to the person next to you, or closest to you, if you're in the middle of nowhere, and say, you're an innovator, not an imitator. Excellent. Turn to somebody else, who you didn't turn to that time, say, you're an innovator, not an imitator. Okay, um, do you know what? We... um, we went through um, uh, a spell as, in fact, you know what, we've always done this as a worship team. And since ever I've been leading worship, okay, we often will go through things, especially when kind of we were kind of like really not very good at what we were doing. Not that we're particularly good now, but we're trying to get a bit better. And we would look at ways that churches were leading worship. And we would look at things, you know, when I was a kid, we'd look at like play, things like Hillsong United and stuff like that. And we'd have like, you know, uh, a really rubbish keyboard. Uh, me, who couldn't play acoustic guitar very well. And um, basically we had like no drums. And then we would try to be Hillsong United uh, while we were leading worship. It doesn't work. And do you know what? Even now, we sometimes fall into the trap of trying to be imitators rather than innovators, rather than taking what uh, is a wonderful worship song and then deciding to play it in the way that we can play it, in the way that we're skilled and talented um, to do it. Okay. We even, um, I was reading back through some of our notes from a, uh, we do a debrief after refresh. And uh, one of the things that Libby wrote down while she was doing that was, um, uh, we need to make sure that we're being us when we start the worship. Let's not do something that doesn't sound like us. Right? We need to be innovators and do our thing, our style, rather than try and be like someone else. As a church, we can often try to be uh, like stuff that's going on outside of the church. 
Okay, now I'm not saying that anything that's done in any kind of production, you know, lights, all this kind of stuff, set design, it's fantastic, right? But it's not the, the most important thing. But if we start to try and uh, imitate instead of innovate, we get caught up. We get caught up on the, on the way things are done, on the style rather than the content. So let's always be innovators, not imitators. You know, if we do that, there are times when we're going to mess it up. Okay, there are times when we're going to mess up. If we try and be innovators and just do uh, what we feel we're called to do in the way that we feel we're called to do it, there's going to be times when we mess up. And in innovation, we need to make room uh, for failure. It's not something we're told very often that it's okay to fail. But we need to do things the way we call to, and sometimes we're going to get them wrong. Okay. Um, one of the things um, that um, we end up doing is just um, getting caught up completely with how we feel we look to other people. Okay, if we're going to move on as a church, we need to get past that. As a community, okay, as a community, we need to look out for one another. Okay. Jesus um, called a bunch of friends together. Okay, he didn't call a bunch of people to make a Jesus franchise, okay, and to just copy exactly what he did. He called together um, a community of friends. His disciples weren't his employees, they were his friends. Okay, he was... Um, you know, he was, he was here for a, a three-year mission, okay, with his friends to change the world. He still had time to be a friend. He still had time for fishing trips and hanging out at parties because he was part of a friendship. We need to be intentional in friendship in our communities, okay? We need to just be friends with each other, look after each other, know what is going on with each other. Do you know what? It's amazing that Jesus says that he wants us to be friends. And he says this um, to his disciples. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Friendship is key. And when we move together as friends, when we move together as community, knowing what's going on, we, we understand that people are in different places on the journey. This morning, some of you are, uh, you know, in a place where everything's going well. Some of you in a place where, where stuff's not so good. Some of you in a place of uncertainty. You know, some of you are in a place where you're dead, dead set on. You know where God's calling you. You know where you're going. Okay, some of you are somewhere in between, and it's a little bit like the, the kind of Easter weekend. Okay, we've got Good Friday, where Jesus goes to the cross, okay? And we've got that picture of suffering. And then by the time we get to Sunday, 
We get Jesus risen from the dead and we get celebration. There's a journey over three days of suffering to celebration. And as a community, as people, we're often in different places on that weekend, spiritually. Somewhere between suffering and celebration. There's a time for it all, but we start to understand when we get to know each other, when we spend time with each other, where different people are. And we need to be aware that people are in different places. Do you know what? Part of community and part of friendship is committing to one another. Committing to a plan that God has got ahead of you. Do you know what? I think we're in a place culturally where a lot uh, in society we see that people kind of tend to miss their life and it goes by in kind of like one-year slots. Because people aren't that willing to commit to something long-term. They say, well, I'll give it 12 months. And we'll see what happens. And maybe that's being generous. You know, sometimes you see people and they're trying something new. They say, oh, I'll give it a week. See what happens. Me and Ruth have bought a new mattress. Ikea say, give it 90 days. If you don't like it, we'll have it back. All right. I'm quite tempted to get a new mattress of a different type every 90 days to see how long they keep that up. But, um, but we need to commit to things long term. Okay, there's that kind of wonderful picture uh, in and around the story of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, where there's these kind of like groups that go off and they travel together and commit to each other and to a journey. And it's not just for a time, it's until the journey's done, until it's finished. Do you know what? I don't want to go on a journey where my friends and community aren't coming with me. If I, as pastor of this church, stand up and say to everybody, we're going to go and do this thing. I really think we need to go and do this thing. Who's up for it? And if you all sit there and look at me and you're like, nah, John, sorry. I don't, I don't think I can do that. I don't think we, we should be doing that. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I'm, I'm just going to stay right here. There's no point in me going off on that journey. I want to go on a journey where we travel as a community and we look at the same things and we go towards the same things because in community we have an accountability. The things that God tells us, the prophetic words that God has in our lives, they they can be tested by sharing them with our community. If people are invested and committed to us, we can share them and we can test that it is what God's telling us and not something that's just coming from our own um, desires. Do you know what? When we do that, we need to make sure that we're driven uh, by our values, not the vision that we've got. Okay, the vision's this idea of where we need to get to. It's a destination. Okay, it's an end product. Our values are what we do. Okay, our, our vision statement as a church says, says this. It says, PHCC is a group of Christians in Netherton seeking to experience, communicate, and demonstrate the love of God in our community. And then we have another uh, kind of value line that goes with that, which kind of sums that down into an even smaller phrase. And it says this. It says that we're to love God and we're to love people. Okay? We're to love God and we're to love people.
We need to make sure that we're driven by that and not our destination. We're driven by the fact that we want to love God and we want to love people. You see, when we start to prize the process, not the goal, then the process will become the goal. If we start to look away at this far vision of kind of, you know, we've got this idea that when church gets to regular attendance of 300, we're going to plant out. Okay, that's something as a leadership we've said we'd do, right? And, you know, it might change along the lines and numbers might come down and we, we'll see how it goes. But that's kind of what we're looking at. Right, we've got this goal. In order to do that, we need to get to 300 people coming regularly on a Sunday. Okay, if I was to walk out every morning, we do church and look out and go, there's not 300 you know, and think that that's what I'm going for all the time. Okay, if I want to look at that vision and measure myself by that vision and value that vision all the time, whenever there's not 300 of us, which there never has been, you know, in my living memory, okay, in here, right, then I'm going to get downhearted, I'm going to get worn out, I'm going to get burnt out. Along the way, some of us are going to fall out, if that is what we're focusing on. If I turn up here every Sunday morning, though, and know that my job is to love God and to love people. Then I know where I'm going. Then I know where I'm at. Because the process of getting to our destination becomes the goal. You know, I want to love this journey that we're on as a church. I don't want us to always be looking so far ahead that we can't see what God is doing in us as a community at the moment. Okay, God is doing some incredible, incredible things. You've only got to look uh, when you get your copy of Reboot. Um, I've loved, loved looking at the stories, the life stories of people in here, the things that are going on, the things that God is doing in people's lives. Um, some of the real challenges. Uh, Libby's written an article in here which really challenges us uh, to get out of our comfort zones in worship. I just encourage you to read that and uh, take it on board. But when you look at what's going on here, this is the process. This is the process, not the vision. Okay, we're not a church which is celebrating, you know, having to put on extra services because we can't fit everybody in. We're not a church which is having to think about building a bigger building because we can't get everybody in. You know, we'd love that down the line and we really do believe God's calling us to growth. But we need to live in the purpose that God's given us to love him, to love people. Now, we don't get everything right as a church. Okay, we don't get everything right as a church. And there's a general kind of like, um, kind of outlook in life and in culture and society where as you get older, as you, as you travel through life, you kind of expect that I, I, I want to get more comfortable um, I want to get cleverer, if cleverer is the word, more clever, okay? I want to get comfortable, I want to get more clever. Let me challenge you that, that our life is not called to be one where we get more comfortable, where we get more clever. Our lives as Christians are, are called to be one where we get wilder and we get wiser. There's a difference between being clever and being wise. Okay, God gives us wisdom. It's a gift that he gives us. And I want us to be a place that as we get wiser, we get wilder. 
we rely more on God. We trust more in what he says and we get on and we do it. Do you know what? We leave that room for failure. Let's not just do things that we're certain we can do. Let's step out and do things that we know God wants. Let's step out and just be available for God to use us in whatever way he wants. Do you know what? If we aim to fail spectacularly as a church, at least we'll have a story to tell at the end of it. But if we're not worried about failure, if we just want to say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do everything I can to follow what God's telling me to do in the way that he wants me to do it, even if we end up a spectacular failure, it'll be a fun journey. I want to pray for us and then we're just going to worship. And just in that time of worship and just this prayer, I just want you again to be just thinking, if God spoke to you clearly in that brief time of stillness that we had earlier, just speak to God. What, what, what else do you want to show me about that? Is there something more to that? And as we pray and as we worship, just take a time just to focus on that.